I have made a discovery. I have figured out how to get a kid to talk to you and open up a little bit, even if they don't really like to talk to you. Now, this is not anything super new. As a matter of fact, people have recommended this to me a couple of times, but it finally worked. So one day when your kid is older, trust me, this method will still be around when your kid is older. or Maybe your kid is 15 or 12 or 8 or 18 and you want to get them to talk. Or I'll bet it works really well on your partner or anybody that you want to get to talk. How do you do it? What is it? Hang on, I'm going to talk about that right now on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Let's go. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. I appreciate it. It's all based on my book, Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. We're going to cover some things from the book. And we're going to talk about some life lessons and share some deep thoughts and some stupid thoughts and hopefully some funny stories, things like that. Uh, I just got back from a weekend in Duluth with my boy Carson because he's leaving for college in almost exactly a month. And then after that, I don't know what life is going to be like. Last time that I didn't have a kid, I was 19. I'll repeat that. Last time I didn't have a kid... I was 19 years old. Now, I was not the best father to Beth, my oldest, when she was younger. As a matter of fact, a lot of her first few years, I didn't even see her. Um, She and her mom moved away, and they lived in Oklahoma, and they lived in Florida, and I never even saw Beth. It wasn't until Beth was about nine years old that I really started to become involved with Beth, so that was probably when I was 28, 27 or 28. So basically, I've been a long time with having kids And I don't know what I'm going to do when Carson is at college. I don't know what life is going to be like. People say, you know what? You're going to love it or you're going to be really sad or whatever. But I don't know. It's kind of like you and I, whenever we experience something new, we don't know what it's going to be like. And people will tell you everything like, okay, whether you're going to have like, I don't know, um, what are they when you when you get your teeth, you're going to get Invisalign some or here's a better example, LASIK. Some people are like, oh, you're going to love it. I love LASIK. And other people say, oh, my God, my dad had it, and it burned his eyeballs off, and he's never been the same since. So you never know. Anyway, um, I know so many people, including Fallon and my friend Nate, another friend Rachel, who are all, you know, parents or about to become parents of little babies, and, uh, and I envy them because it's such a great thing. If you've got kids... If you got little kids, if you got bigger kids, eight-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, you're expecting a kid one day. You want to have a kid one day. I envy you because unless Taylor Swift answers my emails and agrees to have a child with me, I am probably done having kids. Did I just creep you out with a Taylor Swift reference? Probably so. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, here's how you can get people to talk to you. Somebody told me this, and I think it's really true, and it's worked with Chase, and it's worked with Carson. It'll work with you and your kid or your partner or your mom or whoever you want to get to talk. Years ago, Chase, when he was 16, he's 26 now, so about 10 years ago, um, we were going to go to Los Angeles for a long weekend. And I said, I asked his mom, Julie, I said, is there anything that I should talk to Chase about? And she said, yeah. He is nervous about being with girls. He is nervous about what it's like to kiss a girl, and he won't know how to do it, and uh, he's really nervous about that. So we talked about that in the car. Chase is facing this way, 
and I'm facing this way too. We're not looking at each other. As a matter of fact, it might have been a little bit odd to look at each other. And Chase really opened up. Not completely, but he really opened up a lot. So this weekend with Carson, on the way up to Duluth, we listened to his music. No forced conversation. No, you know, Carson, let's talk. No, how are things going? Because he just kind of... He's resistant to that. Whenever I try to open that conversation, he just kind of gets pissed and puts the wall up. And if I start talking to him, he's like, you've told me this a million times. And then I get kind of annoyed and he gets annoyed. So then we just shut up and we listen to his music. He listens to the underachievers, which they're not my kind of music, but I can appreciate it because some of their stuff is really good. Anyway, on the way back, here's where it gets good. Um, I bought this little deck of cards. It's called Chat Pack. And I just saw it on Amazon. You can get it for like 10 or 12 bucks. Chat Pack. And I encourage you to look it up because we opened that up and we had the best time answering questions about Carson. If you could change your name to anything else, what would you change it to? He thought for a second. He said, Marlon. And I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah, Marlon. And I'm like, what the fuck, Marlon? And he's like, I just like it. And I think he might have been messing with me a little bit, but he wouldn't me- we wouldn't admit to it. And we laughed about that a little bit. Uh, then we talked about what's the longest line he's ever waited in. Or if 10 of his friends were to write down a one-word description of him, what word would show up the most often? He said, nice. And we started getting into like a deeper conversation. And then I said, so you're going to Burke and then things just kind of open up. And again, we're facing the same way. We're not looking at each other. So there's no eye contact. So there was none of that kind of nervousness. Like, you know, when your mom and dad would sit you down and say, we need to talk about your blah, 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 your school, your driving, your, I don't know, smoking, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever. Um, and they would sit opposite you and they would stare at you and you'd look at the ground or you'd look at them plaintively and be like, leave me the fuck alone. But with not looking at each other in the car, it was very effective. And here's what I got out of Carson. And there is a lesson in it for you and I. And that's why I tell this, not to gossip on my kids' personal feelings, but to tell you something that I've learned. So here we go. So we're in the car. The whole car effect method is being really effective. Carson, we're, cu- we're getting onto the Crosstown right around 35, and we're headed west toward home. And I said, so... You're going to Berkeley. Are you nervous? Yeah. Why are you nervous? And I can't remember his exact words, but they were, I'm nervous. I'm not going to be good enough. I look at the other kids that are there and they're so good. He goes, I wish I'd started earlier. I've been playing drums since fifth grade and I'm worried that they're going to run circles around me. And I said, Carson, a couple of things. And I would tell you the same thing and me the same thing. There's always someone better than you. There's always somebody better than you. There's way better DJs than me. There's always somebody who's worse than you. You don't look down at the people who are worse than you and mock them and make fun of them. But you also don't look up at the people who are really good and say, God, I'm worthless. I'll never be as good. Let them inspire you. Let the people who are not as good also inspire you and even offer to help the people who aren't as good as you. Um, But don't feel bad. Don't feel like, you shouldn't do it because you might not be the best in the world. He's a very good drummer. But I think most of pe- most anybody who's really good, we're a little insecure. You know, if you're really if you're a really good tennis player or a really good singer or a really good piano player, sometimes you're a little bit insecure about it. Sometimes you're super cocky and that's great. But I said Carson, 
I said, you're going to Berkeley. You go out there. You pour your heart and your soul into going to Berkeley. And you work your ass off. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, you had to do it. That's your dream. You had to chase your dream. You could not go to the U of M or St. Thomas and take marketing or communications or journalism. And all, Of course, all those are totally respectable. But that's not you. You're 18. Go chase your dream with all your heart. God, does that sound corny? It sounds like out of a bad Lifetime movie. But it's so true. When you're young or whenever it is in your life, go chase your dream with all your heart. And if it works out, great. And if it doesn't work out, at least you tried it and you will not spend the rest of your days on this earth going, what if? So what can you and I learn from that? I think I've written about this and talked about this quite a lot on some of the podcasts. You got to go try it. You got to go do it. Uh, I listened to a, 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 a program by audio, um, Anthony Robbins, an audio program years ago. And he said something called the rocking chair effect or the rocking chair syndrome, where one day you and I, if we live long enough, we'll all be on a rocking chair on the front porch of the nursing home. And at that point, you don't want to have regrets about, I should have done this. We'll have some regrets. I think every life has some regrets, but hopefully the, you know, the, the triumphs and all the successes or the joys for let me, probably that's better than successes and triumphs. Um, all the good moments will outweigh some of the regrets, but don't not try something because you're afraid to don't not try something because it might not go well my daughter Allison when she was younger you know 12 or 13 or whatever she was afraid to try anything because it might not work out well and I used to joke with her I'd say Allison you can lay in bed all day and just for good measure put on a helmet just in case the ceiling caves in and you'll be safe you'll be okay but you won't have much of a life so it kind of brings me to chapter eight in my book, which is actually one of my favorite chapters. And I know we've covered this before, but maybe you've heard it in the podcast. Maybe you haven't. And it bears repeating. So here we go. Chapter eight, you are good enough after all. I know that to some people I seem the tiniest bit arrogant, but like most people, I've always wrestled with some sort of the eternal question. Am I good enough? When I was 24, I worked at a radio station in Columbus, Ohio. I was doing really well, chipping away at our competitors' ratings until eventually we were beating them consistently. I got a call from a big station in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Making the jump from Columbus to Philadelphia would have been huge for anyone, but especially for someone in their early 20s. I flew to meet the manager of the Philadelphia station and spent a weekend touring the station and the city. Finally, it was just the two of us at lunch. The job was mine if I wanted it. Imagine that. Think about that for a second. I'm not reading now, but imagine that. The job is yours if you want it. And it's huge. You're going to leave the city that you're comfortable in, that you haven't even been in that long, and you're going to jump to another unknown that's about five times bigger than Columbus, Ohio. The job was mine if I wanted it. The money was great, and the team seemed like they had a good shot of winning in the ratings. I balked. I was honest. I told them I wasn't sure I was ready to do mornings in Philadelphia. Heck, I was only 24. I'd only been doing morning radio for less than three years. I'm not up for this, I proclaimed. Dave, he said in a mentoring tone. His name was Charlie, and I can't remember his last name. I wish I did. I've wondered if I'm good enough to be here, too. 
Everybody wonders if they're good enough. We all think someone's going to notice we're incompetent and unfit to be in a great job, and we all get nervous about it. I'm here to tell you, you are ready for this job. I listened carefully and soaked in his wise world, wise words. And then I totally ignored him. I was still convinced I wasn't ready for Philadelphia. I went back to Columbus where I was comfortable and didn't have anything to prove. I spent three more years in Columbus having a great time, absolutely murdering the competition with some help. It wasn't me by myself. And it was easy and fun. And um, I don't think I necessarily made a mistake by turning down the Philly job. But I do know I turned it down for the wrong reason. Usually people turn down jobs because they don't want to leave their family. The money isn't right. Or they don't want to live somewhere else. Me, I wasn't living near family in Ohio. The money in Philadelphia was double what I was making. And depending on who you ask, the city of Philadelphia is considerably more awesome than the city of Columbus. That's in doubt, but whatever. I turned the job down solely because of what I thought of myself. Looking back, I realized if the station wanted me, if I had a good track record, and if I believed in myself, I was good enough. You are good enough. How do I know? Well, I don't actually, but if you're wondering if you are, then chances are good that, yep, you really are. So take that job, apply for that new position, enter that contest, ask that person out. Person out. What if you fail? Would you have succeeded if you didn't try? The end. So I would say the same thing to Carson. Um, uh, what if you fail? I mean, big deal. Let me go back to the end of that so I can remember exactly what I said. Where was that? Chapter 8. Hold on. Because something made me think here. Ask that person out, so what if you fail? Go to that college. That's what I was going to say. Go to that college, so what if you fail? You know what? Our lives are full of failures. And the and the the people who've had the most successes have failed the most times. Isn't that true? It's something like, I don't know the story, but when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, he screwed it up like 964 times, but he kept going. And Colonel Sanders, again, not my story. I heard this somewhere else. Colonel Sanders, the guy who invented Kentucky Fried Chicken. He was like 65 or 70 years old when he decided to invent Kentucky Fried Chicken. And he had this chicken recipe, and he would take it around to gas stations all around the South and try to sell it. And everybody turned him down. They all said, screw you. We don't want it, old man. Go away. So what did he do? He opened up a restaurant himself, which is still open today. All these years later, 60 years later, whatever it is, it's still open today. And while it might be taking some heat from Canes and Chick-fil-A, hey, they're still doing their thing. And their coleslaw and mashed potatoes and gravy is awesome, by the way. Um, what happened to Burger King? Is Burger King just closing up shop everywhere? There's a Burger King by our house. There's never anybody there. There's one at Highway 7 and 101 in Minnetonka. There's, it's closed down. There's one at Eden Prairie Road. And, or Eden Prairie Drive, I think it is, in, and Highway 5 in uh, Chan, uh, um, where is that, in Eden Prairie. It closed down, too. What happened to Burger King? I don't know. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Okay, so going back to reiterate what we talked about, use that car method. What would you talk about to your partner if you could get him to talk? What would you talk about with your kids or what would you talk about with your parents if you could get them to talk? And again, my suggestion to my experience says don't just hop in the car and start grilling them. Warm them up with some fun stuff or talk to them and get them to relax and let down their guard a little bit. So not right away you get in the car and boom, start peppering them with questions and lectures. 
because for me, that has not worked. Um, so I'm really glad I had that experience in the car with Carson. Hey, I want to throw in one more thing because on the way home today from Duluth, we got stuck in traffic. It took four and a half hours to get home from Duluth. We went up there to play golf and have one last father-son weekend before he went to Berkeley. And on the way home, should take about two and a half hours to drive from Duluth down to Chanhappanen. And it took four and a half hours. Now, we did stop at McDonald's, but it was the drive through so that cut maybe 10 minutes out of our drive. We stopped for gas for another 10 minutes. So let's say it took four hours and 10 minutes um, uh, to drive home. We got in, we st- were stuck in traffic, and it was you know cabin traffic and whatever. But we started talking again about something else, and there's a lesson in this. I talked to him about things. It kind of came up organically. Times that I got mad at him that I feel bad for. And I came up with about three or four. And I said, Carson, you know what? No parent is perfect. I said, you know, you've made some dumb decisions. You've made some good, big mistakes in your life. And he has. And maybe one day I'll tell you about them. Nothing earth shattering. He's never held up a bank or anything. Um, But he's made some dumb decisions. And uh, he's not a perfect kid. You know, no kid is a perfect kid. We all tell everybody, oh, our kid is so perfect. We only tell you why they're so perfect. The kid doesn't want to get out of bed. He cannot get out of bed in the morning. And it's a serious problem because one day when he has a job, he's going to need to get out of bed in the morning. And he doesn't like to. Tough shit. You got to get out of bed. Show up on time, right? As the book says. So I'm like, Carson, let me tell you about some times that I got onto you where I did something where I was not very nice to you. So he's driving. And again, we're not looking at each other. But I look over at him once in a while to see how he's responding And I said, you know, Carson, do you remember the time in Boy Scouts? We were at a Boy Scout camp, and uh, you and your friends were using my tent, and you broke the zipper on the tent because you were forcing it. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember when I yelled at you in front of all your friends, and, uh, and I embarrassed you? And you looked around to see if your friends were watching because you were so embarrassed that I was yelling at you. You were so ashamed. And he said, kind of a little bit. And I said, you know, I feel really bad. I said, let me apologize. I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to try not to. Let me apologize for when I yelled at you in front of all your scout friends. because And and the adults, too. Because I remember Carson's eyes kind of shamefully looking down as I yelled at him. I can't believe you broke that zipper. You know why? Because you're careless and you don't care because it's not yours and you don't treat things with respect that aren't yours. So blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't like I'd yell at him forever. And he was looking down and he looked up around the campsite to see who was watching. And I instantly felt bad because I thought the poor kid. Yeah, he screwed up. But now he feels ashamed because his dad is humiliating him in front of everybody. Um, don't feel, I feel bad, of course, but if you've done the same thing, don't feel too bad. I have a friend who's got a son named Jacob and uh, she got really mad at him when he was about 12 or 13 and she said, fuck you, Jacob. And I'm, I give her a hard time. I'm like, you said, fuck you, Jacob, to your 13 year old son. And she's a wonderful person. And she's like, yeah, I know God. I said, you know what? But That is canceled out by all the times you were a wonderful mom to him. So if you ever lose it with your kids, keep this in mind. I've done it too. Give you another one. When Carson was about five or so, I was in the office here at home and he had Allison's old recorder. Now, you know what a recorder is. It's kind of a plastic flute. And he found that he's sitting on the end of the steps and he's playing it. I'm Carson, quiet down. I'm trying to work. 
He's still playing it. I don't remember what set me off, but I came out of the office, grabbed it out of his hand, and snapped the recorder over my knee. Now, if you know me, that's shocking. I don't do things like that. I don't know what got into me, and I felt instantly terrible about it. And I told him in the car, I said, do you remember that? He says, I don't remember that. We've talked about that before. He says he doesn't remember it. I'm glad because, God, that would shake you up, wouldn't it? So anyway, if you do something dumb like that around your kid, give yourself a break because we, I think we've all done it, unless you're the perfect parent that never has. I remember one time I wanted money from my mom for a magic trick. And she handed me the money and she looked me in the eye and she said, you make my ass sick. And I'll never forget how I felt. All I wanted was money from a mag- for a magic trick, but I guess I'd gone to that well too many times. And uh, she gave me the money. It was like $8. And she said, you make my ass sick. Wow. And my mom was the most wonderful mom. I was the biggest mama's boy ever. But during that moment, she said something that I'm sure she regretted later. And later when she was older and she came to visit me in Las Vegas, I said, Mom, you drive me up the fucking wall. And she never let me forget that. She, she used to say, well, I'd come and visit you, David, but I don't want to drive you up the fucking wall. Wow. So you never know if those things kind of last or not. So again, backing up. You know, we talk about things that it's like back up to see what the lesson is. Give yourself a break. If you're a parent, if you're a partner, if you're a child and you snap at your mom one day and tell her that she's a bitch and drives you crazy and it really hurts your feelings, it's okay. Because they probably, you probably, you know, you don't mean it and you feel bad. If you treat your mom that way all the time, that's a different story. But, um, and I think that wraps it up. I have one more, one more. So uh, speaking of saying things that you hurt somebody's feelings, we're in Duluth this weekend with Carson. Remember, we went up there to play golf. So we're checking into the hotel and we're unpacking in the room and, you know, we're getting ready to go out and play golf. And I said, Carson, when you're older, I said, are you going to bring your son to Duluth? And he said, no, I hate Duluth. And I said, really? He's like, no, I hate it here. And I said, Carson, that really hurts my feelings. I said, because we came here because this is, you know, a special trip for us. And he caught himself and he said, no, I mean, I mean, I don't hate coming here with you. He goes, I would just never come here with my son. I would go to New York or Chicago or Miami because I like the big city. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I could tell he felt bad for saying I hate Duluth when here we are, supposedly both very excited to be there. So anyway, we all do it. Give yourself a break. Forgive yourself for it. That is going to wrap up the podcast. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Um, No real emails this week. So if you want to send me an email, send me an email to Ryan at kdwb.com. I would appreciate that. I did get some emails from people who say, hey, I listened to your morning show and the Minnesota Goodbye and Fallon's podcast and Too Lame for Radio and take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. And I appreciate that. Thanks for letting me know. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, they might not have been anything that I that they expected to be read during the podcast, but I definitely appreciate the emails. Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Check out the Facebook page. Give us a like at um, uh, Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Uh, and then, of course, the book. The book is what the whole thing is based on, and you can get it on Amazon. Um, and it's still like 15 bucks on Amazon. There's also the Kindle version for less than $10. Is it Kindle? Yeah, it's Kindle, right? Um, so check that out. Hey, 
Again, thank you. I think a lot of podcasters and YouTubers forget to say thank you for your time, and I really sincerely mean that. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the podcast.